morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord. Today we're looking in the book of John chapter number 4. The book of John chapter 4, we're going to begin reading with verse 39. Read down and include verse 42. We're going to be reading from the New Living Translation. Amen. I'd like to say before we begin this morning, glad to have my mom and my dad with us today from Oklahoma. Amen. Would you make them welcome this morning? Also good to see an old pastor friend from Oklahoma. He finally made it to the promised land after all these years, Brother Jack Manley. God bless you, Jack. Good to see you. Yeah, welcome, Jack, as well this morning. Pastor Jack Manley. Amen. Amen. Well, the book of John, chapter number 4 this morning, began reading with verse 39. The Bible says that many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because, notice the word because, because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. And now we know that he is indeed the Savior of the world. I'm using for my subject today the master and the message. Father, I thank you for the word of God today. It indeed is a lamp unto our feet and it is a light unto our path. God, once again, I am just trusting in the anointing of the Holy Spirit today. Lord, Holy Spirit, I pray that you will take over today. Lord, I just pray that you will direct us and guide us as we deliver the word. Father, open the ears of the hearer today that they may hear the word of God. But God, I ask today that it will be more than hearing the word of God, but they will respond to the word of God. They will make application of the word of God. The word of God will change them from the inside out as they leave this place today. We ask all of these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, praise the Lord. Well, you may be reseated this morning. Well, the verses that I just read comes at the end of the story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well. You see, God had orchestrated the steps of this Samaritan woman. He did this so that their paths would cross and, and so that her life could be forever changed by Jesus. And may I say this morning that it's no different for you and it is no different for me today. God orchestrates our lives. He takes us here and he takes us there. He brings this one into our life and he brings that one into our life. He sends sunshine to us one day and he sends a thunderstorm the next. But all of this God is using is God is orchestrating our life and God is always at work in our life. Whether we see him or not, whether we sense his presence or not, he is always at work in our life. He uses the people in our lives. He, he uses the places that, uh, that we find ourselves at. Oh, he uses even the problems that we encounter. All of these are a part of God's master plan that molds and shapes and fashions us into the people that God wants us to be. Oh, he does this so that we can become useful to him and his ultimate mission for our life. 
This past week, as I read and, and reread these few verses that, that, that we read just a moment ago, I, I discovered three things, and I want to share those three things with you this morning. The first thing that I discovered in these few little verses is I discovered the power of a personal testimony. The power of a personal testimony. Verse 39 says that many Samaritans believed because. Because why? They believed in Jesus because the woman said, He told me everything I ever did. This Samaritan woman said to these people, A man named Jesus, a man that I had never ever met before in my life, but he read my mail. He told me my entire life story. He knew everything about me, although we had never met. Surely this must be the Christ. This must be the anointed one. Surely this must be the Son of God. And the, and the people believed on Jesus because of her testimony. I suggest that there are people in your life and there are people in my life, there are people in our lives today that would indeed listen and they would indeed believe if only we would share our testimony with them. You see, there's power in your personal testimony. And every single one of us here this morning, we have influence over certain people. Be it your family, be it your friends, be it your co-workers. But, 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 but let, me, let me tell you that, that all of us have influence over people in, in our life. Let, let, me, let me pause and ask this question this morning. Let me see a show of hands of everybody in this room this morning that you came to Jesus because of the influence of somebody close in your life. Let me see your hand. Lift them up real high. Now, I want you to look around this morning. I want you to look around. That's about 90% of the people that are in this room today. You are in this room this morning, and you are in the kingdom of God because of your mama or your daddy or brother or your sister or your coworker or your best friend. Let me tell you, friend, you, there are people in your life, amen, that are in desperate need, amen, to hear your story and to hear about Jesus Christ, and you can lead them to Christ. The title of the message today is The Master and the Messenger. Three things about the messenger this morning. Let, let, let me suggest, first of all, the unlikely candidate. The unlikely candidate. You see, this Samaritan woman in our story today was an unlikely candidate. I mean, out of all the people that Jesus could have chosen to use, she was one of the most unlikely candidates. You say, why do you say that, Pastor? Well, three reasons. Number one, she was a Samaritan. Now, now the Jews looked down on the Samaritans. Uh, they viewed them as inferior. They viewed them as, as low class. They, they, they called them dogs. They had absolutely no dealing with them. The very fact that Jesus, a Jewish rabbi, would have any dealings with her was totally out of the box. Totally out of the box, unorthodox, and it set him up for criticism. Another reason is that she was a woman. She was a woman. See, their day was different than our day. See, in their day, women didn't get the respect that they get today. Uh, you know, they were to remain barefoot and pregnant. 
uh, their purpose was to serve and pleasure the men. <laughs> wow, what a day to live. <laughs> Another reason was she had a reputation. She had a reputation. She, she, Jesus told her to call her husband. She said, well, well Jesus, I, I don't have a husband. Jesus said, I know. Jesus said, you've had five husbands in the past, and the man you're shacking up with right now is not even really your husband. Did you hear about the woman that had had four husbands? She had married a banker, an actor, a preacher, and an undertaker. Somebody asked her why in the world she had married a banker, an actor, a preacher, and an undertaker. She said, well, I married one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready, and four to go. Back, back, back to the messenger. Not only do I see the unlikely candidate, But I also see the unpolished presentation. You see, her message wasn't a three-point, hermeneutically correct sermon on the deity of Christ. No, she just opened her heart and shared her personal testimony. Let me tell you that you do not have to be a Bible school graduate in order to win people to Jesus. All you have to do is open your heart. All you have to do is share your testimony. All you have to do is just tell people, oh, this is the way I was and now this is the way I am. This is the way I was before Christ. This is the way that I am now. All you have to do is open your heart and tell them your story and tell them what Jesus has done in your life and what Jesus means to you. You see, there are people in your life right now that they will not go to church. They will not listen to me preach a sermon. But out of love and out of respect for you, they will listen to your story. And some of them, not all of them, but some of them will respond to you in a positive way. You can lead people to Jesus. Oh, hey, if nothing else, just lead them to church and let us lead them. Then I see the uncompromising truth. The uncompromising truth. The Samaritan woman was was willing to to tell everything. She told all. She said to them, this Jesus man told me everything I ever did. Let me admonish you this morning. Don't be shy. Don't be too proud. Don't be secretive about your past. Tell your story. Now use wisdom. I'm not saying to spill your guts to everybody on the street. I'm not talking about getting up publicly and confessing all of your sins. But listen, I want you to become sensitive to the Holy Spirit, become vulnerable to the Holy Spirit, and let Him align you with other people, amen, that are going through the things that you have gone through in the past. And you can be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and you can reveal to them, hey, I've been there, done that, bought the T-shirt. Amen, you can, you can tell them your story. And you can use your story to to lead them to the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. Talking about the power of a personal testimony right now. See, if God used an unlikely candidate like the Samaritan woman in our story today, then surely he can use you and 
surely he can use me. There's power in a personal testimony of what Jesus Christ has done in our life. And it's our responsibility to use our influence on other people to point them to Christ. All right, notice the second thing that I see in these few verses, and that is, I see the passion, the passion of a personal experience. The passion of a personal experience. Experience. The Samaritan woman was so, so passionate about her encounter with Jesus that, that she immediately went everywhere she could go and told everybody she met about Jesus. And the people that she told about Jesus believed in him because of her testimony. But they became passionate about him after they met him personally. Notice two things that happened to these people. First of all, they fell in love with the master. They fell in love with the master. Verse 40, when they, when they came out to see him, oh, they begged him to stay in their village. You see, to hear about him was one thing, but, but to see him, Oh, but, but to meet him, oh, but to hear him personally was something quite different. Oh, oh, the passion, the passion of a personal experience. Oh, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you have never met him personally, oh, let me tell you today, you do not know what you are missing. Oh, to because to know him is to love him. Oh, to truly see him is to fall in love with him. Now, to know about him is one thing. To know him personally through his son, Jesus Christ, is quite another. When the Samaritan woman told them about Jesus, they believed. But when they met him personally, they fell in love with him. Not only did they fall in love with the master, but also they fell in love with his ministry. Verse 40 to 42, so he stayed for two days long enough for many to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Have you ever thought about it? Can you even imagine what it must have been? Oh, what would it have been like, oh, to literally have been able to sit at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ? Oh, to hear his ministry, to hear his message, to listen to him teach. Oh, they said about Jesus in John 7 and 46, we've never heard anybody speak like this man speaks. Oh, Jesus could hold an audience spellbound for hours. Sometimes he would literally speak all day long and the people would sit there and listen to him hour after hour after hour. Oh, there were times when they wouldn't even dismiss for lunch. Don't get nervous this morning. I, I know I'm not Jesus. And besides, Jesus didn't have a wife sitting on the front row giving him signals. Let me stop here just for a moment this morning and talk to those of us who are in 
uh, public ministry. To those of us that teach and preach, whether we are ordained ministers or we teach uh, a class on a Wednesday night or we teach uh, Royal Rangers or Impact Girls or youth or whatever, those of us who have public ministry. Let me just talk, stop a moment and talk to us. Jesus taught in such a way that he was easy to listen to. Um, he didn't offer up stale bread. He didn't offer up dry, boring lectures. Had a Sunday school teacher one time when I was in the junior class. She read her lesson every Sunday. I mean word for word. She would be reading her lesson and she would read, Express this. Emphasize this. No wonder we threw spit wads in class. <laughs> Jesus was easy to listen to. No one spake like this man, they said. Jesus used humor, and he used illustrations. Charles Spurgeon said, Charles Spurgeon, who was known as the prince of preachers in his day, said the preacher is not only responsible for what he says, but he's also responsible for how he says it. Spurgeon said if he doesn't hold the attention of his hearers, it doesn't matter how good his content is. It doesn't matter, teacher, what the content is if you can't get anybody to listen to you. John Wesley said, set yourself on fire and people will come out and watch you burn. Here's what I've come to know. If I'm not excited about my message, if I'm not passionate about my message, how in the world can I expect you to be passionate about it? Two men from different churches were talking and they began to talk about their pastors. And one, one of the men said to the other, I'm so tired of our pastors preaching. All we ever get every Sunday is ding, dong, ding, dong, ding, dong. The other man said, huh? Your pastor goes, ding, dong, ding, dong, ding, dong. I wish our pastor did. All we ever get is ding. Ding, ding. <laughs> Say, Pastor, you're a little bit over the top. Pastor, you get a little bit silly, a little crazy sometimes. Well, listen, very few are sleeping. Now, there's a couple of you. I still have a hard time. <laughs> Somebody asked me how big my church, new church was. I said, we, we sleep 600 comfortably. Hey, Proverbs 15 and 2 says the tongue of the wise, the tongue of the what? The tongue of the wise makes knowledge appealing. So if your ministry includes public speaking as a teacher or a preacher or a facilitator, make your presentation interesting. Work hard on your preparation. 
Know your material and be passionate about your presentation. You don't have to be over the top and loud and boisterous and crazy like me. But show a little bit of enthusiasm. Let the people know. Amen. You are excited about what you're talking about. And you believe in what you're telling them. I'll never forget several years ago now. I was at a minister's meeting, a fellowship meeting in Oklahoma. And back in those days, they had, a, had two preachers that preach. Now we don't have anybody preaching. Those days, we had two preachers preaching the same fellowship meeting. And one was going to preach, and then the next guy would come back and preach after him. Well, I was scheduled to be the second guy to preach that day. And so the first guy was a young guy, very young guy. And he got up, and he stuttered, and he stammered. and stu- he, I mean, he couldn't get anything off the ground. He couldn't get anything going. And so he stopped his preaching and he chastised his congregation. And he said, I just have you know I was anticipating uh, some inspiration uh, to help me preach this morning. But there's not an ounce of inspiration in this house today. And he sat down. And now it's my turn. And I walked up to the podium and I said, you know, when I was a rookie, I depended on inspiration to get me through. But I soon found out I was going to preach in a lot of places where inspiration was just not there. And so this morning, I am not depending upon inspiration. Rather, I am depending upon preparation. Amen? Let me tell you that everybody won't be sitting on the edge of your seat. Everybody won't shout you down. But I promise you, if you'll set yourself on fire, I want to tell you, if you'll know your material inside and out, and it'll be good material, amen, and you'll present it, I want to tell you, there will be some inspiration in the house. It will pick up. Amen? Amen. Give the Lord a shout of praise in His house today. Well, I was expecting a little more than that. Oh, I'm just kidding. The title of the message today is The Master and the Messenger. The Master and the Messenger. We've talked about the Messenger. Now let's talk a little bit about the Master. And the third thing that I see in these few verses that we read a moment ago is I see the, the provision of His presence. The provi- provision of His presence. Three things that our Lord's presence provides. First of all, His presence produces faith. Three of us believe that. His presence produces faith. Twelve of us believe that. Verse 40 says that they begged Jesus to stay in their village. Now, even though his teaching alone, no doubt, would probably cause the people to beg him to stay so they could hear more. But I believe it was probably much more than that. No doubt Jesus did many mighty miracles there. 
And perhaps, perhaps as they saw others receiving their miracles, oh, faith began to rise in their heart. And they too began to believe that they could receive their miracles. Perhaps they were hoping for a miracle to happen for a friend or for a family member or for a loved one and it hadn't happened yet. Oh, and so they begged Jesus. They begged him, could you not stay with us? Could you not stay with us? Could you not stay with us? Oh, I promise you that when we really get into the presence of God, we are no longer in a hurry. No longer are we in a hurry. No longer are we worrying about the Baptist beating us to the restaurant. No longer are we worrying about being late for the ball game we're on our way to. All of a sudden, we are in the presence of Almighty God. We're in the glory of His presence and no longer are we in any hurry and we beg and we plead of the Lord and we say, can you not stay with us just a little bit longer? Could you not stay a little longer? Friend, this is why it is so important for us to get into the presence of God all by entering into praise and entering into worship. Faith rises in the presence of of Jesus. You see, in His presence, power is available. In His presence, healing all takes place. In His presence, miracles are possible. And I believe this morning that His presence, oh, is in this house right now. Listen to me, listen to me. I believe that there's a healer in the house right now. I believe that the power of the Lord is present to heal today. You don't have to wait to the end of the service. You don't have to wait to the altar time. Oh, I just encourage you right this very moment, just reach into the presence of God today. Reach into the presence of God today with your faith today. Amen. And your faith can make you well and make you whole today. His presence is here today. Oh, just reach out and touch Him today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, the psalmist said in Psalm 107 and 20, he said his word. He sent his word and healed them. Oh, we're living in a day when everything is more important than the word. Oh, oh, the light show. Oh, the video. Oh, the facility. Oh, the program. No, no, no. Let me tell you that there's nothing more important than the word of God. There's power when the word of God is being delivered under the anointing of the spirit of God. He sent his word and healed them. Notice something else our Lord's presence provides. Presence produces followers. Verse 42, they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Oh, the modern day church today is trying to draw a crowd with lights and videos and, and, and the latest technology. And hear me, there's nothing wrong in and of itself with lights and videos and the latest technology. We are using modern methods ourselves. But I want you to hear me this morning. I want you to hear my heart. I want you to know what's really going on. Amen. I, for one, am not depending on modern methods alone to draw the crowd. You see, I know that you can draw a crowd and still not build a church. So I'm not just interested in drawing a crowd. I'm also and mostly interested in building a church. And I believe with all of my heart the best way to draw a crowd is to have Jesus show up. Because people are drawn to Jesus. Read the Gospels. Everywhere that Jesus went, multitudes gathered. Mark chapter 1. 
Mark chapter 1, verse 45. It says that however he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter so that, notice this, so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city but was outside in deserted places. Now, we preachers think that the only way you can build a a great and a large church is if you have the perfect location. It's location, location, location. I think we got a pretty good location. 22,000 people pass by this church every day. That's pretty good. Not against location. I think we ought to have the best location that we can afford to have. Jesus didn't even go go into the city anymore. It says he was outside in deserted places. <laughs> but guess what? They found him. Listen, and I understand all the church growth, and I believe most of them, some of them. But I think the key that everybody forgets is that Jesus will draw the crowd. Not, not my program, not my preaching. Not my charisma. (laughs) But Jesus was outside in deserted places, and they came to him from every direction. I suggest to you that what sound and lights and cool videos cannot do. May I suggest to you what the latest and the greatest technology is unable to produce. May I suggest to you that the presence of Jesus can produce. Now, should we remain current and up-to-date and relevant to our day? Absolutely. But the power is not in the program. The power is in His presence. And I believe that people are hungry today. They're hungry today for His presence. And I believe that His presence, His genuine, real, bona fide presence, amen, will produce followers. Not only will His presence produce faith and followers, His presence produces a sweet fragrance. Oh, I like this one. I could go beyond anointing into annoying on this one. (laughs) Psalm 16 and 11, you will fill me with joy. Where? In your May I suggest today that Christians with stinky attitudes, I told you I could get beyond anointing into annoying really quick here. I'm going to try and hold myself back. But Christians with stinky attitudes are not spending enough time in their Lord's presence. Christians who are constantly complaining and and criticizing and, and finding fault with anything and everything are obviously not spending time in God's presence. Because the psalmist said, you will fill me with joy in your presence. When my kids were at home, 
going up. When one of them would get a stinky attitude, not very often, no more than two or three times a day. I mean, it wasn't a lot. <laughs> Just tease them. When my kids would get a stinky attitude, their mother would say, Go into your bedroom and pray. And don't come out until your attitude changes. And they would go into their room. I don't know what Krista did, but Chad has said that he would go into his, uh, his room madder than a hornet. Spitting nails. But he knew his mama wasn't letting him out of that room until he came back with a better attitude. And Chad says, I would go into that my bedroom, and he said, I'd be mad, but after a little while I think, I don't want to stay in here all day. So he'd pray. He'd start mumbling a little prayer. Or haphazard, pray a little prayer. And then he would start praying a little bit real. And before long, he noticed his attitude changed. And he would walk out of his bedroom totally different than he was. And he walked in. There's one thing I left out of this church. I wish I had an attitude room. Because every once in a while, I'd like to open the attitude room and put a stinky saint in my attitude room and say, don't come out of there until you have a better attitude. Let me tell you who I'd really like to tell that to. Hey, sometimes I need the attitude room. No amens, please. But how many know? Amen. Things change in the presence of the Lord. Hey, the fact of the matter is, I actually do have an attitude room. And it's called the altar. It's the altar. And His presence produces a sweet fragrance. I love the story. I've told it before. But I love, love the story of the evangelist. Who's preaching a revival in Pasadena, California. Home of the Rose Bowl and the Rose Bowl Parade. And one night before service, a woman came to him and said to him, said, I know where you've been today. And he thought, how in the world does this woman know where I've been today? Have they put a tail on me? Are they following me around, seeing where I go during the day? But before he could respond to her, she said to him, I know where you've been today. Obviously, you have visited one of our magnificent rose gardens. She said, I know 
because the fragrance of the roses are still upon you. Oh, I ask you this morning, oh, what kind of a fragrance is upon us today? What do we smell like? Do we smell like the world or do we smell like our Lord? I'm telling you that when you get into the presence of the Lord, oh, His fragrance, His fragrance, His spirit, oh, His love, His presence, oh, the fragrance of the Lord will be upon us. Worship team, get back in place very quickly, very quietly, please. Ask yourself, is my attitude more like Christ or like the world? Is it sweet or is it stinky? We've been talking about the master and the messenger of today. I can assure you all is well with the master question I have today is, how is it with the messenger? Father, I just pray today that you will take the word of God today. Father, not, not my word, not my little sermon today, but God, the true, true word of God today. Let the word of God do its job in this house, in this house of the Lord today. Father, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah.